Hey there, this is Pussy Empowered Podcast, and I'm your host, Alyssa Aparicio. I'm equal parts Bronx bitch and mountain witch. I'm a pussy empowerer and sacred erotic performer. I believe that when you untame your pussy, you access your power. I teach women how to do this with a holistic approach that incorporates mind, body, emotion, and spirit. All right, everyone, today I'm trying something differently. Up until now, all of the podcast episodes that you've heard from me, um, the ones that have just been my voice, were written out before I recorded them. And in the last couple weeks, a lot has happened. Um, A lot that has really empowered my voice and my connection to presence as I speak. And this has been really interesting, Um, you know, Many of you know, if you've watched my Instagram live videos, I have been talking about how this has been an edge for me to use my voice more um, vocally because for a long time I was, um, you know, I felt very comfortable being physically seen and physically expressing and also writing um, is very much home base for me because it gives me time to process. I've never been one of those people who processes really quickly in real time, like in a classroom setting or in a learning setting. Um, So it has been very empowering in the last few weeks to have just, you know, gone on Instagram Live and shared such raw truth from different emotional perspectives as I processed. And um, to just feel that my voice was heard, to feel comfortable and confident in the words that I chose and it gave me a deeper sense of self-trust and so I want to experiment by recording this podcast episode without um, reading the words off of a page even though I do have notes um, not free um, free winging it or that doesn't sound like the right phrase but you know I'm just uh, going with those notes and not necessarily reading it word for word so that's a big difference um, and the whole reason that I was using my voice in the last few weeks, and you might have seen it if you're on my newsletter or on my Instagram or on Facebook, I've been sharing around about it, and um, it's because uh, the documentary, a documentary came out on Netflix in which I was um, a part of it, I will say. It's called Strip Down, Rise Up, and it's been getting a lot of buzz, uh, mostly controversy, at least from where I sit. I'm seeing the controversy being addressed and I've been a part of uh, lending my voice to exposing my own discomfort of being a part of it. The way that I was a part of it is that the class was, uh, okay, so the film was, um, it claims to be, have been based around pole dancing, the world of pole. I uh, came to it because I saw an application regarding this modality called S-Factor and the an invitation to apply to be a part of a class that was also going to be filmed as a part of a documentary and I was already curious about the modality of S-Factor I was familiar with Sheila Kelly uh, having seen her TED talk in the past and having um, received just kind of a preliminary class from her in another setting in a, in a program uh, that was delivered by Mama Gina. 
Regina Thomas her Thomas Hauer of um, of the School of Womanly Arts and so I thought this is a good opportunity to be in a classroom in a space where I would be part of the conversation right I was at the time this was filmed about three years ago um, it was I, at that time it was March 2018 so not quite three years ago but at that time I was really stepping into leadership and I was wanting to learn from other leaders who were the top in the nation the top of their field and I thought this is a good opportunity to just be learning from uh, somebody who has established a business and who has also been doing work to empower women so uh, flash forward well, maybe somewhere in between then and now, the experience itself was not sitting well with me. And having the trailer having come out about a month ago now, I guess, um, it really stirred up these old emotions and feelings about the experience itself that I hadn't resolved and I didn't have words for at the time. And that was really around having been uh, working as a stripper at the time that the movie uh, that we were filming. And um, from that perspective of being a stripper and being in that classroom, it just felt really uh, off. And I felt uncomfortable. I didn't share much about my experience in the classroom because I felt that I just wasn't sure that I felt safe in that space and I wasn't sure that I, I wasn't sure how the documentary would portray actual sex workers and I'm really glad that I didn't say anything or share my story much at the time because of the way that I saw the movie um, play out and the way that they used women's stories in the movie that I don't feel like was done in a very responsible way and you know in the process of using my voice to speak about that I was going through a lot of internal emotions, self-gaslighting, and also external gaslighting. Um, just the kind of thing where I, I described it as this. I feel like I was in a haunted house, and I was the only one who was, was seeing the ghosts. <laughs> but after I left... I realized actually it was haunted and many people were also expressing that they had that they had seen ghosts as well so it's like once I started using my voice to digest the experience I was receiving a lot of messages comments uh, connecting with a lot of other women who expressed that they felt similarly about this modality from a first-hand experience from having watched the film, from being former employees of this modality. And it was very illuminating in the ways in which I was doubting my experience before I spoke out, um, before I used my voice to talk about this. And that was very interesting. Um, it made me realize how we keep how we keep people who are on top of the their game in terms of visibility, in terms of capital, um, how we keep them, how we begin to stop questioning them after, you know, 
or how we feel like maybe they have something that is more important to say. How we collective as a as a society, how we allow things to happen when there's power dynamics at play and um, we stop, you know, we doubt our own experiences. And that was eye-opening. Um, the range of the emotions that I was feeling after speaking out, you know, well, after seeing the movie, I never really addressed that. When I saw the movie, everything just seemed to be in plain sight. All of the things that were uncomfortable to me about the experience were in plain sight. All of the receipts were there. They didn't really seem to try to even hide the fact that they were shaming sex workers and strippers, which was part of my... The, the subtle feelings that I got in the classroom that we had never spoken about education, about where this art form comes from, where pole dance comes from, yet we were encouraged to adopt the stripper aesthetic from a student perspective. We were encouraged to wear um, stripper heels. We were encouraged, we were, you know, the classroom used red lights and never spoke about where the roots come from. And here's why that's a problem, you know, for this never to have been addressed in the classroom. I've had, I've had experiences over the years where I've met other S Factor students who were extremely dismissive of real life strippers. Am I saying that all S Factor students are like this? I really can't speak for that, but I'm saying that I have met loyal students who have said things to me that were very hurtful and ignorant such as that they had never seen dancing as sexy done by a stripper as they had seen in the classroom saying that the classroom dancing is much superior in terms of what is sexy and that's fucked up because because they never got that education, they go out into the world and they continue to use that shame that they internalized from this elephant in the room, which is the lack of confronting what is actually going on here. The lack of confronting that this movement shares origins with stripping. And the reason that they don't confront that is because they're trying to distance themselves from it. And they're trying to create a space that is uh, safe for, they're trying to create a space that is essentially vanillified so that it doesn't offend anyone who already has these predisposed um, defenses against specific things such as sex workers and um and also and and more so so as i've been speaking out about this um i did i, I mean so so much happened in my little world of instagram where there was uh, my video was shared virally i mean it went viral there was it was shared all over the world um and by many different people in many different from many different perspectives and realms 
Um, it was I was interviewed by BuzzFeed to give my thoughts on why strippers are angry about this movie, and and a few different um, press opportun like opportunities that haven't fully been realized yet, and you'll be seeing in the coming weeks. And you know, if you've been around for a minute, you would know that over the summer is when I decided to become public about this part of my experience having been a stripper. And um, also, I'm really not sure when the line of baby stripper to adult stripper is, not adult stripper, but like in, in the community, there is a phrase, um, baby stripper, which is a new stripper. And there's also a veteran stripper, which is someone who's been doing it for a while. And I'm really not sure where the line is for that. I'll say that I was doing it for about five years. And um, and I really wanted to be able to just speak about my experience because I was proud of it. I am proud of it. And I also, you know, I wanted to be able to, to just not, I'm a Leo and I fucking hate secrets like I hate being dishonest and I just wanted to open up that space and you know I was talking about it in my in classroom settings but I wanted to have full range of my voice to be able to speak to this because it's part of my life experience and it's also um I also was passionate about you know overall I'm passionate about dismantling the patriarchy and shame from our bodies in reclaiming our bodies and I thought you know this also I mean this also must apply to to sex workers as well like why are we leaving them out of this conversation why is it like just let's just empower other women who aren't sex workers but still shame sex workers like that doesn't make any sense and I wanted to be part of the destigmatization I wanted to make sure that I used my voice to also speak to that and so over the summer I had a birthday party and I I announced uh, this part of myself at the birthday party actually mostly people there already knew um, but it was more of me saying claiming publicly like I'm stepping into speaking about this and um, and I want I would like your support around it and I did feel very supported um, and you know, it opened up my voice to speak about it more, but uh, it wasn't until this movie kind of came out that I realized like I need to step into it in a whole other level um, in, in, into this topic of discussion. And if not, then I'm part of the problem, right? I'm just being complicit and watching this happen. Even with my firsthand experience, like it was it wasn't all right with me. I felt out of, out of alignment, out of integrity without speaking to what, I experienced and so I wanted to step into that more fully sip of water and in the weeks since um, I'm feeling you know I've been feeling okay well what now I've been talking about this drawing attention to my platform um, and the work that I do as a pussy empowerment coach and I want to now turn the conversation to the solution, like, and to getting under the surface of this problem that was not addressed in this film and that needs to be addressed if we're going to move forward in, you know, 
really getting underneath the surface to the root of what's going on here. And so I decided to start a conversation series. You may have tuned into some of the conversations already. And for some reason, I just said seven days. I don't know where that came from. And now, and then I was like, oh, okay, I need to actually secure interviews and timing and all that. So it, it ended up not being seven consecutive days, but at least seven conversations. Um, and the topic is called demystifying stripping and decolonizing sexual empowerment. So I wanted to break down what that means from my perspective and to uh, and invite y'all into that, uh, into this place of processing and re self-reflection to um, just be aware. And you know, if we were talking about my, my own approach, my own framework, the nine elements of pussy power, this would uh, fall under a few different categories. Um, actually, we'll talk about that after. Let's talk about the title first. So demystifying, demystifying stripping. Um, why did I, why did we, why do we need to talk about demystifying stripping? Well, actually, I think the most important part of this is humanizing stripping and sex and sex work, humanizing strippers and sex work and uh, sharing their stories from a firsthand perspective because um, they're the ones who live it. And when we look at it from the outside, we come to that with our prejudices and can't always see what, you know, what the actual experience is. That's why it's important to let people tell their own stories and give them the space to tell their own stories, which in this film, there never once was an interview with any stripper, including myself. And, um, and for the record, I don't think that even if I did speak my truth, I just don't see it fitting into the narrative that they crafted. I don't, they, there was no other stripper, stripper voices. There was no other exploration. I don't think they really wanted to make, to use this documentary as a way to dis, um, to dismantle shame. It was just not a priority, which I think is irresponsible, but so so humanizing strippers and understanding that they're people hearing it from our own mouths, what the experience is like. And, um, and also examining our, the way that we look at things as profane versus sacred. Like what in our life do we consider to be profane? And what in our lives do we consider to be sacred? Um, not only in our lives, but culturally, you know, um, when we talk about art and the, the art of pole dance, it seems that there has been this, no, it, there has been the divide in terms of what is considered profane and what is considered sacred. And in this class, one of the things that bothered me a moment, a specific moment that bothered me is when I was told to put on, uh, to, to not wear sheer clothing. I had a sheer outfit that I would use in the actual club and I wore it to class, but I was told not to wear anything sheer, sheer without explanation, right? Um, so now they're saying that the woman's body, the nudity is what's profane and not welcome in the classroom. So, I mean, you, you know how I feel about the female body, or maybe you don't. The female body is sacred. <laughs> I mean, apart from any religious connotation that that word might have, the human, the human body is ours to inhabit. And it is 
nobody's uh, business to police how we show up in our skin. And it's, it, and to say that the human body is profane is upholding puritanical colonial standards of what sacred is. So when we, we'll, when we look at the divide that happens across pole fitness, it's not just this modality. It's a bigger issue that we're talking about. When we look at this divide, we see that there is a desire on behalf of the pole fitness community or pole artistry community. And I'm speaking generally, not all uh, pole instructors have this blind spot or choose to um, create the spaces the way that they do. Um, but the divide is created so that, you know, if you look at the hashtag that was popular for a while, maybe still used, hashtag not a stripper, it is used by the pole fitness community to create a separation. Like I get, I am reclaiming my sensuality through pole, but I don't want to be associated with strippers and sex workers and that's a problem why is it a problem what does it indicate underneath the surface of that it indicates uh, privilege right because as somebody who is paying to take a class versus somebody who is making money to own their sexuality there's a level of uh, privilege at play there where it is considered low brow to be doing that work for real and uh, in an overarching mainstream way. Um, and then we're talking about class, right? Because that is um, also plays into who becomes a stripper versus who pays for class to uh, strip. Not always, but mm, like the majority of the time. And then there's race. And, uh, you know, the roots of stripping are in black and brown communities, individuals, not community, rather the, the women who founded this movement were black and brown women in uh, clubs. And the history of that is to, to deny that that is a, a part of this experience is again, irresponsible. So race plays into this when we think about the profane versus the sacred, the upper class versus the lower class, the white versus the black and brown. And another whole layer of that is horophobia. It's, it's not wanting to associate with the whore, not wanting to, you know, pole dancers, not wanting, wanting to stay separate from any actual sex work. Um, which reiterates everything that I just said about privilege, class, and race, and horophobia. And uh, I also want to make a note that not all sex workers are strippers, but all strippers are sex workers. It, so sex work is an umbrella term, and it includes using your body and selling sexual experience or a sexual expression. So... Next, I'm going to talk about decolonizing sexual empowerment. So, as you may or may not know, I spent the last decade 
really learning from different empowerment teachers in different communities. You might know me because we were in a class from one of those spaces and I was exploring what it means to be empowered and learning from teachers who were again at the top of this field and gaining recognition and just writing and being on podiums. Those were the people that were the loudest and that I was able to hear. Um, and I've realized, you know, in the recent time, not just in this incident, but the, that the majority of my own education around female empowerment was centered, centering the experience of being a white woman without ever acknowledging or addressing that. And how was it doing it? It was because the teachers were majority white, white women, and they had never been anything other than that. And they weren't going out of their way to do the research or to be mindful of how their femininity was impacted by their race and their class and their privilege, but not necessarily talking to or, or uh, taking the time to understand and clear that blind spot and, and, and face that blind spot. Um, and and I'll say that not all of my teachers were this way, especially in the last year, my teachers were very, um, and even before, um, before the pandemic and before the Black Lives Matter movement of the summer, the specific, the summer centric in, you know, 2020, um, even before that, over this last year, these individuals that I was learning from were confronting this, um, but I want to say that no matter who you are coming to this work, coming to this exploration, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a white woman, whether you're a black woman or a brown woman, whether what, whatever, whoever you are, we're all affected by colonization. We're all conditioned to see things from the perspective of the colonizer because that's the overarching uh, way that society views things that's the way that the media presents things uh, favoring the the white gaze and white supremacy supremacy that is just that is fact and so we all come to understand our bodies through that lens and there's so much that this impacts like it impacts at least every area of the work that I share, all areas of my nine elements of pussy power, it, it affects how we see ourselves and how we see other women, how we see our bodies, how we see our sexuality, how we interact with our sexuality and our sexual expression. And with this lens that we view, that we're viewing things from, it's, it's one or one narrative without understanding that it's way more there's way more to it that the diverse the diverse experiences of women that that women that come from different races ethnicities parts of the world um, we may be united in certain aspects but there's also more to the story in the way that we need to be aware of that we need to be talking about all of us need to be talking about it. And, you know, for a moment, I thought, who am I to talk about this? And I, well, that I need to talk about this because I'm included in this. We're all included in this. And I have a responsibility as a teacher, as somebody who is an empowerment coach, to not repeat the mistakes that I've seen 
to not um, lead my students into ignorance, <laughs> to take responsibility and have this conversation, especially with all the kind of attention that's been coming my way. I want to use that attention to be solution-minded and to take it as a learning moment for myself and for everyone else who's tuning in. So if I bring this back to uh, my own experience, so this is for, you know, the personal and the collective. And so if I bring it to my own experience, I never experienced, I never considered much before, you know, the past while, maybe before the past year, how being a Latina, how being a woman of color who is from New York, like I'm not, I wasn't born in Puerto Rico, Panama, or Mexico, where my family is from, where my grandparents were all born. I grew up in New York, and I have light skin. And, you know, and also, so, so it's come into a question of identity for myself. Like, where do I fit into this conversation? Um, as a multiracial person, right, the word Latinx is... Um, something that I'm learning about and trying to understand how that word has been harmful in and of itself. So um, leaning in towards perhaps using the word multiracial, I'm not sure if that's the word that I want to continue using, but that's the word that currently feels right. And how these, how these conversations are impact, like how these conversations around empowerment have been impacted by that and how the perspectives that I bring to my body have been influenced by that you know currently i'm reading a book called from buttocks to bananas and that's about the sexual hypersexualization or sexualization um tropicalization of the latina the latinx body and so that's something that i've currently been calling myself into well how is this impacting me um and and how is that different from, you know, like how am I, how do I approach my body with the, the white gaze when I see myself or, or other women? You know, it's, it's not like nobody gets to escape this reality. Like we all have it in our bodies, in our experiences, and we're all working to dismantle it. I mean, well, I don't know if we're all working to, but I am, I choose to. And if you're listening to this, most likely you are inclined to choose to as well. Um, so it's brought up a lot about personal identity. What is my place? Um, and you know, and the, and responsibility to bring attention to what I'm like to, to talk about what I'm learning and bring attention to how you may be lacking in the understanding of how race and, uh, and class impacts and has impacted your own experience of exploring empowerment, sexual empowerment, pussy power. So I want to talk about how this plays into my own pussy empowered, pussy empowered approach, approach, <laughs> and look into some of the elements of my framework. You know, I have nine elements of pussy power and talk about how this in real time is, um, you know, applicable. So the first one I want to talk about is Alchemize Your History. I'm going to take a sip of water again. 
alchemizing your herstory is kind of the jumping off point for any of my offerings because it's about reflection, self-awareness. Where are you coming to this conversation from? And what has impacted your understanding up to this point of whatever we're element we're talking about if we're talking about pussy power in general what has your own personal journey taught you about pussy power what did your um, mother teach you about it what does your ancestry teach you about it what does your origin your origins have to say about pussy power for example for if we're using that but it's also applicable to anything so it's applicable to how you interact with your cycle how you interact with your sexuality but this part of the framework is really looking at that. Having the conversations with yourself and with each other about where you are on your personal journey and in the collective. Where are you coming to this conversation? What's the lens that you're coming to this conversation with? And are you willing to be aware of that so that you can let in a deeper understanding to open up your own understanding of what the subject means and how to reclaim within that um, not just for ourselves but for the collective um, an empowered narrative and experience in our bodies minds spirits emotions so let's look at conjuring your intuitive womb as the next part and if we think about how we come to intuition we'll apply the aspect of herstory right? The context, societally, societally, culturally, ethnically, racially, class. Um, if we look at intuition, we look at how we have understood our own intuition. What in our lives have we have impacted how we relate to our intuition? Do we trust our intuition? Have we had a spent a lot of time in our lives having the experience of being gaslit by people who don't believe us, believe our stories? Have we seen our narrative shared a lot or have we not? Because then, you know, that impacts how we relate to our intuition as well. Because if we see something happening a lot and then we feel something that is related to how we see that thing, often portrayed in the media or whatever, we feel like it's more likely to be right and a right intuition uh, or at least in alignment with what we see if we don't see ourselves represented if we don't have anybody to talk to cert about certain topics if uh, the topic that if something is being ignored right then we start to mistrust our intuition if people are questioning us we sometimes i mean if you're if you are rooted enough in your intuition um perhaps you let that bounce off of your back and you don't you don't feel it so much but we all have to do healing around our intuitive listening because of the way that the logic and the analysis um and furthermore the the puritanical colonial uh colonized perspective has been placed over everything so that's how it would interact with our relationship with our intuition and understanding that being aware of that is important because then you get to see a broader perspective you're 
you zoom out from from what you think is just your fault or you think it's just a personal thing and you realize it's a bigger conversation. It's a bigger problem that must be addressed and that's why you're leaning into the conversation. And it's not just a personal thing. It's not necessarily your fault, but it's like, how are you playing into it? And, um, and how are you learning to navigate your, your intuition in this, um, now that you are consciously choosing to empower your intuitive voice, your intuitive womb space, um, where you may not have ever learned to do so before. Most of us, myself included, never learned how to use our intuition. And so, uh, you know, in my practice, I, I teach tools to connect to intuition that are physical, that are embodied, that are um, rooted in body wisdom and body listening. And, and then let's talk about the next element of my frame or framework or nine elements of pussy power. It's called Untame Your Wild Hips. Now the hips, like, many of us, maybe not many of us, but we can see how the hips have certainly been subject to colonization and patriarchy. Because our hips are the place where we bear children, the place that is the most sexualized on our bodies, the place that connects us to our ancestors, Um, So part of untaming our hips is seeing how we have been taught to be linear, to contain our hips, to make our hips smaller, to make our bodies smaller, to make our femininity smaller um, in order to not stir the waters, in order to not draw attention to ourselves. And it's a reclamation of the power that's in our hips and expressing that power and not necessarily only in a way of presentation, though performance can be a part of it, but also just for self, like connecting to your hip space so that you can really bring body awareness into your pussy, to your physical pussy, into your physical uh, vaginal canal, all these places in our bodies that we haven't had name for. We never were taught about our anatomy. And, I, and I'm speaking for all of us, but like in general, we get really poor sex education in the U.S. and in a lot of other places around our anatomy and just learning to name these places and interact with them. So untaming your hips, we get to look at how, how our sexuality has been impacted by this Puritan colonizing gaze. You know, it's not, as, as April Hayes said in one of our um in one of the interviews that I've already done in this conversation series, and you can find on my Instagram uh, live and my Instagram IDTV, um, something that I talked about with April Hayes that she said, you know, growing up Latina in her family, dancing, using your hips was not necessarily sexual, right? And I had a similar experience growing up in with my background in the Bronx, um, you know, salsa was playing all the time. Like it wasn't, we would dance, we would move our hips, we would shake. It wasn't necessarily sexual, it was expression. And that is something that comes from, you know, 
different places in the world see sexuality differently. And so we need to respect and honor and understand how our own culture and how other cultures arrive at certain things uh, like hip movements and sexual and sensual and sexual expression. And be aware of that. So I'll tell you a short story about um, just last week when I was um, filming a video, I went to the pillboxes to film a video uh, here in Hawaii and saying it like everyone knows where that is, but I'm staying in, uh, I've been in Hawaii for the past couple months um, and where I've been so blessed and grateful to be here. And I went to this beautiful outlook where you can see over the water um, and I went to film a video, a dance video. And this is a, a public space, it's an outdoor, it's a hike. And I went to the top of one of the pillboxes and I was dancing. I was dancing to Cardi B's Up because I wanted to make a video of that. I was in love with that song and the video and I was feeling inspired. I saw visually that I wanted to create something in that specific space. So I started dancing and you know, there were some people around and I thought, you know, we made it this far and I came here to dance and I'm going to do this dance. And I'm all about allowing ourselves to uh, take up the space that we take up and reclaiming the space, the right to express ourselves, especially in nature, um, but everywhere, really. And at some point while I was dancing, a woman walked by, a white woman, and she yelled out to me while I was dancing. Um, she said, thanks for giving my five-year-old son a show today in a very angry way. And I just said, you're very welcome and kept dancing. I didn't stop. I didn't skip a beat. I'm proud of myself for that because, you know, I think my, my throat chakra has been activated. So I was able to draw on that response quickly and not let it interrupt my flow because, listen, this white woman already is in Hawaii. So already she's in the position of, I mean, it's, it's colonized it's you know more it's very fairly recently colonized Hawaii um and she is she has the audacity to say to a woman of color that she shouldn't be using her body and that it's shameful so in that moment she was saying that and making an example for her daughter and son that this is shameful it's not okay to be a woman expressing yourself publicly not okay to do it especially twerking it's not okay to do it um especially you know publicly and i remember the look on her daughter's face who must have been about 10 years old who saw me and her eyes lit up when she looked at me she like seemed like she was just thinking wow this is freaking awesome and in that moment the mother taught the daughter like no it's not okay to be expressing in this way it's not okay to do it publicly it's not okay that was a moment of socializing shame in real time. And when we look at that, you know, let's, let's say I was doing ballet, right? I wasn't twerking. I was doing ballet up there. Let's say that I was doing belly dance. Would it have been seen as offensive? Why is it that this specific dance form and you know the fact that I have hips that I wasn't hiding them why is that um shameful right so there was a time in my life where I might have apologized for taking up space in that way 
and you know thought well maybe this isn't family friendly but i don't believe in that like our bodies those kids don't know if bodies are sexual or not they just see them as bodies so when you teach them something is shameful you're the one telling them you're the one telling them that it's not okay as a, in being the mother in this position for example but so that is a way that the colonizer gaze the puritan gaze was placed upon me and is constantly placed upon like micro moments all the time so that's these are just like tiny little examples this is the tip of the iceberg of this conversation but I hope that over the course of this conversation, you can realize that you, or you have realized why it's important to have this conversation and to look at how it's interacting in your own life. So thank you for, for giving me the space in your uh, day to speak about, about this and to illuminate some of the some of what's been swirling around my head and my experience recently and that reverberates outwards uh, indefinitely. This conversation is just important. It needs to be had. And, um, and I think we all have a responsibility to have it. So I do want to share, this is, um, I want to share that we will that I, we will be having more conversations about this throughout the week, and at least seven, as I as I shared before. So far, um, Juicy Josie and Nadia Sharif is uh, are scheduled to chat. Um, Novocaine dances is we are figuring out our scheduling now, and um, and a few other guests. Young pole master, we're figuring out scheduling and working around. Um, Instagram's foolish uh, bands and shadow bands and whatnot that affect all of us in this community. Um, so that is coming. And I also plan to, to invite us into a panel discussion, which I haven't confirmed any date around. So please look out for that. And I just want to make an announcement as well that I, have, I am launching a new offering. It is actually the offering that I've been desiring to launch for quite a while now. It's been kind of, it's been my dream of what I really want to do, which is to create ongoing community where we can have real conversations about um, the, the, the different elements in my of pussy power, right? Where we go, where each month is devoted to one element and we approach it from an embodied way, from a holistic way, where we're really looking at mind, body, spirit, emotion, and in an intersectional way as well, where we're bringing this awareness to each and every conversation and not ignoring it <laughs> and not pretending it doesn't exist because that is just tired. It's over. That time of our existence is done. So I am calling myself into having those conversations and inviting you as well to join this ongoing space where we will continue to do it. And you know that I love to continue to have this conversation and, and you know that I love to center um, rapture. I love to center joy and bliss in the experience of learning of empowerment because I think there's way too much out there like 
I think the majority of empowerment really does focus around shadow work and trauma and like that is going to come up. We're going to experience, you know, we're going to realize things that are going to be hard about that happens in any space of self-inquiry, self-awareness. Um, but we also are alive right fucking now. So I want, I always committed to creating a space where we lean into joy, where we're dancing, where we're moving, where we're reclaiming our bodies in a joyful way. So that is my big announcement. It will begin officially on April 1st with our kickoff party. But in March, I'm going to lead a workshop uh, called, well, this is a loose title, but decolonizing pussy power and it's going to delve more into this conversation about why we need to have it and we're going to get a chance for it to be a workshop so we can we can really look at our own lives and how it's how colonization uh, is is playing a role in how we approach our pussy power so if you sign up for that uh, by march 1st if you sign up for the experience of the membership by march 1st then you will be uh, invited to join that conversation for free and um, the first five people to sign up for the year-long membership will get a free one-on-one with me so if that is something you already know that you're in definitely head over to that and you know this is the first time I'm announcing it actually so you'll want to be you'll want to be first so you can get that you can get the most bang for your buck and you can learn more about that in my show notes you can see my conversations, this ongoing series on my Instagram live. And um, and if you want just a little spoonful of what it's like to work with me on Thursday, the we're going to do uh, the closest Thursday to the full moon uh, dance party. So we're going to join forces and move our bodies and share what our intentions are, share um, and just get embodied share ourselves and let let us see one another let us be held in community and support in a joyful way so all of that good stuff is available in my show notes you can check it out there and i just so deeply thank you for taking the time to listen today and putting your attention in this in this area your focus on being a part of the solution and for your openness for your curiosity your open heart and i'm really excited to have this deep integrity come from this deep place of integrity and continuing to learn that I am not an expert I am practicing alongside you and that I will um well that I'm not necessarily an expert on colonization I'm an expert in a lot of places around in the field of pussy power I would call myself that um but also that I'm not above you I don't want to be uh, the person I don't necessarily have all the answers I am just asking the questions and inviting you into a deeper place of inquiry with self and giving you tools that have worked for me along my journey so if that sounds all interesting to you or intriguing head over to the show notes and let's let's see if it's in alignment for you all right thank you again sending you so much love in the rest of your day bye-bye <laughs>